We're turning to the Word of God and to Acts chapter 3, please. The third chapter of Acts and verse 1. Now Peter and John went up together into the temple at the hour of prayer, being the ninth hour. Now last uh, Lord's Day morning I said that whenever the Holy Spirit comes, he unites opposites and brings barriers down. Uh, He unites opposites as far as morals, culture, politics, socially. The Holy Spirit is a great uniter. And here we have a record of that in this first verse. Peter was a doer. John was the dreamer. Peter was impatient. He was bold. He was energetic. He was fiery. And John was timid and loving, discerning and trustful. But they're united together and for the third time they're going in the one day to the house of prayer. Even though there was a revival movement on and thousands were saved, these men stacked out the praying and we need to never uh, forget that. Then in verse 2 we go on to read, And a certain man lame from his mother's womb was carried whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms to them that entered into the temple. That's a lovely phrase there, the Beautiful Gate. That was the Golden Gate around Jerusalem, the Eastern Gate. Uh, It's closed at the moment, and won't be opened until the Lord Jesus Christ comes back and marches with his saints through it. It was made of gold and silver and bronze. Being the eastern gate when the sun rose in the morning, it made it beautiful to look upon it, and that's how it got that name. It was 75 foot high. It took 20 men to open and to close it. And it's at the mouth of this gate, this poor man, such a, an extreme from that powerful, beautiful gate to the sight lying on the steps outside it. We read on to say then in, in verse 3, who seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple asked in arms, And Peter, fastening his eyes upon him with John, said, Look on us. And he gave heed unto them, expecting to receive something of them. I think by the cut of them, he didn't expect to receive too much. Where it says there's something of them. Then Peter said, Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have I give I thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. 
And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up, and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. The problem was with the ankle bones. And he, leaping up, stood and walked and entered with them into the temple, walking, leaping, praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. They all knew him, of course. He had been there for 40 years. They'd passed him day after day after day, and he knew many of them as well. And all the people saw him walking and praising God, verse 10, and they knew that it was he which sat for alms at the beautiful gate of the temple. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at that which happened unto them, unto him. And as the, as the lame man which was healed held Peter and John, and that's lovely, I love this wee phrase, he held Peter and John. You know, some of the modernist skeptics I was reading said that they held on to Peter and John because he was unsteady on his feet, that he hadn't got uh, fully uh, healed. Well, just glance at verse 16 there. Miss that and look at verse 16. And his name through faith and his name hath made this man strong whom you now see. Yea, the faith which is by him hath given him perfect soundness. The Lord knows more than them boys and he knows how to heal. And when the Lord does a work, he does it well. He was holding on to them because he didn't want to let them go. He went into the temple because he wanted to get to the prayer meeting. I tell you, there's a change suddenly in this man's life. Look at what it says. It's wonderful what it says there. Uh, uh, on verse 11, And the lame man which was healed held Peter and John. And all the people ran together onto them into the porch. That is called Solomon's. Greatly wondering. Was it any wonder they wondered? And I tell you, if you saw someone 40 years sitting at that gate, someone was sitting at that gate every day for 31 years, we come in and he started to jump up and walked in here. I'll tell you this, we would wonder. And <laughs> we would wonder. What a mighty miracle of God. The first miracle of the early church that we read about. Now, there were signs and wonders. We don't know what they were, but this is the first miracle. And this is not here for fun. It's here to minister to us. And I trust that it does do that uh, this morning. May God bless to us the reading of his word. Many years ago now, Pat and I were crossing Barrick Street in Armagh one Sunday morning on our way to the Baptist church service when we came across a man with a black beard and an old ragged clothes on him. And he was anything but clean and he was gathering cigarette butts off the street and from the bins. I knew the man. He was an ex-colleague of mine. He was a sergeant on the RUC. Very bright, very intellectual. Six foot two in height. But something happened. And something happened in that man's life that drew him down into the very gutter of the streets, begging on a, on a Sunday morning. One foolish action, and I say to you young men and women, and all of us this morning take heed, because just one action, one foolish action, and your life is destroyed forever. And while God will forgive you, men may never. Sometime later I arrived at a church to preach the gospel on a Sunday morning. 
And just outside the gates of that church, there was another man. He was lying in his vomit and watering in it on a Sunday morning at half past ten. Both of these men were within the yards of the church. And both of these men were in the yards of hell. And to make things worse, some of the people were going flocking past with their Bible, with their hats, with their suits and with their ties to the prayer meeting, to the morning meeting and to the table. And as Solomon says, there's nothing new under the sun. The first church which was established here in Acts 2 and birthed at Pentecost had the very same problem. Peter and John saw what we saw that Sunday morning. At the gate of the temple here was a pulverized, weak, beggarly man with no strength, no ability, no power to do anything, only cry out and beg for arms. Nor could the multitude that went in and out, and mind you, there were scores of them going in and out, and there were scores of beggars there. But not one of this multitude could do anything to remedy this man. All they could do was to pull up the robes and tighten the skirts and make haste on the other side, like the parable of the Good Samaritan. This man would have been here this day for the three services. He would have been here at morning, noon and evening. And this was the last prayer meeting. And he's still hungry and he's still begging and he's still crippled. And he has been there for 40 years. What a boring, monotonous, humdrum of a life. Same place, same time, same thing. The same sights, the same sounds, the same smells. There's one thing sure, my friend. As I have lived in this chapter during the week, there's one thing sure. That all the sacrifices of the bulls and of the goats and of the heifers and the lambs over 40 years could do nothing for him. The prayer sessions three times a day were doing nothing for him. All the thousands of times they chanted the Torah and the commandments and the Levitical laws all the ringing of the bells and the washings at the lavers and the lighting of the lamps and the scattering of the incense could do nothing any more. Any more than the 13 evangelical churches in Armagh at that time where you would hear the gospel preach could do for the man on the street. In the ecclesiastical capital of Ireland, in the city of saints and scholars, in the city that can boast two cathedrals and the beautiful gates and windows and stained glass windows, a city that can boast their planetariums and their, and, and their museums and their, 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 their history, historic places, they, my friend, could do nothing. And they're still on the streets of Armagh. And they're still on the streets of Dungannon. And they're still on the streets of Belfast. And they will be beggars, lame, poor, miserable, wretched. 
They've been there for time immemorial, and they will be until there's a new heaven, until there's a new earth. There will be until the King of Kings returns, and the gate is opened, and he marches in, and sin shall be no more. Oh, the helplessness of man and the sin of man. Now, this man here epitomizes three types of people. He speaks nationally of the Jews, nationally of the Jews, prophetically of the Jews, first of all. Can I say to you that this morning that the Jewish people are shut out of their temple, unable to get in? The Muslim dome of the rock stands in the way and blocks their access. And there are beggars at their own gate this morning. But I tell you, my friend, that's going to change. There's a day coming when the temple will be built. There'll be a day when the Lord Jesus Christ, the Messiah, will march through this beautiful eastern golden gate. And he'll reign as King of kings and Lord of lords. And the day is coming when the Jewish people will, will jump and they'll dance and they'll praise and they'll sing the songs of Zion. And the veil shall be lifted off them and they shall see him and know him. But not only is it prophetically to the Jews, it's historical. This man was 40 years You mention the word 40 to any Jew and he'll keep you chatting for a week. He can talk about the 40 days and the 40 weeks and the 40 years and the 40 nights. And I'm sure these men, uh, Peter and John and these others, were steeped in the history of the 40 years sojourning in the wilderness when they wandered in rebellion in Kadesh Barnea outside the camp and couldn't get over and couldn't get in. Because of unbelief, they perished in the wilderness. And thousands perished in Kadesh Barnea. And thousands are perishing this morning for they can't get in. But not only does it speak nationally, it speaks spiritually. Oh, my friend, this is a picture of the church today. It's a picture of the church of Jesus Christ in a backslidden carnal state. No life, no power, no strength, and no hope. Is it not this morning as we look around us? Nothing new, nothing real, nothing fresh, the same thing. Same day every morning, back in, back out, watch the clock, back in, back out. Oh, how monotonous can be. Has it, is it meant to be like this? Crippled. Some of God's people are crippled in prayer, they're crippled in praise, and they're crippled in power. <coughs> oh, may soon the wind of the spirit blow and the fire fall when thousands will be swept into the kingdom jumping and dancing and praising God liberated oh how we need liberated how we need the shackles and I'm talking to the Christians how we need the shackles and the chains off that we can open our mouth and praise 
And then it speaks evangelically. What a picture of the poor lost sinner at the gate of the church is lame and without strength and no hope. Paul says, when we were yet without strength, Christ died for the ungodly. And this man is without strength, he can't walk. He can't jump, he can't shout, he's, he's dependent on others all the time. He's been carried there, carried back. Now Peter and John are going up into the temple at the hour of prayer, and this is whom they come across. And other times they must have passed them. And I tell you, scores passed them. But Peter and John are now following the Great Commission. And the Great Commission the Lord gives them and is ringing in their ears, Go ye into all the world, beginning at Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the uttermost parts of the earth. And they're starting with the Great Commission to bring souls to Christ. They're starting at the very gate of the temple of the house of God and judgment begins at the house of God. And here's what they say to this man when Peter catches him by the hand in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And immediately he became perfectly healed and perfectly sound and he leapt and he jumped and he praised the Lord. I tell you, this gospel is still the power of God unto salvation. I tell you, this name is still the name that can save I tell you, it's a sweet name, it's a saving name, it's a sovereign name, it's the name above all name, the name of Jesus. He says, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men to me. Jesus didn't come to make man bad men good, he came to make dead men live. Jerusalem came alive this day with the sound, not of music, but the sound of men and women praising God for what he had done. Jesus says, I have come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. I tell you, there's abundant life here. It took less than 40 seconds to wipe away 40 years of of, of beggarly elements, 40 years of lameness, 40 years of darkness, 40 years of monotony, 40 years of no hope, in a moment of time, in the name of Jesus. That's the one we serve this morning. That's the one we uplift this morning. And yet that's the one we hinder and limit this morning from doing great things for us and for others. Now, what was it that imparted, Peter and John imparted to this beggar that made him walk and jump and praise and shout and hold on to them that he wouldn't let them go? I love that. I love that. But I remember when we got saved, after I got saved, the only place I wanted to be was with the old uncle who I hated for years. I wanted to be with him every hour. I wanted to be with him in every meeting. I wanted to be with him when he prayed. I wanted to be with him when he stood in open air. I can tell you that this beggar, 40 years, 40 years, 
You see, God's timing is perfect, and we're not going into that angle of it this morning. And God's sovereign too for those many others here this day. But he lifted this one. I tell you, 40 years, but it was worth waiting for 40 years because if you read on down, there were 2,000 souls saved as a result of this. That's 5,000. They're doing well. See, God's timing is perfect. What was it that put strength and power into this beggar that he shouted and danced his way into church? What was it that, that won 3,000, 2,000 souls? What was it that brought the venom of the Jewish Sanhedrin against them and beat them and put them into prison? My friend, the answer is, the answer is this morning, and this is the crux of my message, the answer is, and you needn't turn to this this morning, for you know it well, it was even quoted on Thursday night, the answer is in Galatians chapter 5, the fruit of the Holy Spirit. You get into Galatians chapter 5 and look down those, those the, the fruit, not the fruits now, the fruit of the Holy Spirit. And ask yourself, as I had asked myself time and time during the week and fell far short on many of them, let me tell you, do you feel fall far short on any of them? But I tell you that a man filled with the Holy Ghost, this is the fruit of the Spirit. Number one, love. Number two, joy. Number three, peace. Number four, long-suffering. Number five, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. I tell you, that's the mark of a man or woman who is spirit-filled. Now, there's three of them in particular. Indeed, all of them we can examine here on these men in this act of healing this man. But there's three of them in particular. Love, joy, and faith. Peter and John were filled with the Holy Ghost. They were filled with love. They were filled with joy. And they were filled with faith. And because they were filled with love, and filled with joy, and filled with faith, that brimmed out over them. You see, the tongue, tongues of fire at Pentecost was laid upon their head, but it has gone from their head to the heart. The heart is now on fire. The heart is ignited. Is your heart and mine ignited this morning for the love of the lost? Be honest now this morning. Have we love for the perishing sinners around us? Have we that love that would go and knock their door on a Sunday evening and say, will you come with me to the meeting tonight? Have we that love? You see, the love and the joy and the faith was just bubbling out of them. And if it's not, and if it's not bubbling out of them, it wouldn't have bubbled into him. If there had been an old, listen, there's no use in t- telling this man, they're speaking in tongues there, you know. Some boys are all uptight about these tongues. 
to look after their own tongue. You think about, in my mind, about the tongues. What are you doing for the Lord? What are we doing for the Lord? We know you should say to this man, you know they're speaking in tongues. Do you know that there's revival back there? Do you know that they're breaking bread? Do you know that they're being baptized? The boy didn't want to hear that. He might have said, well, very good, very good, but I'm still here. <laughs> very good, but I'm still here, and I, I've been here for years. And I've seen it all. I've seen them going in, and I've seen them coming out, and I've listened to them. I was hearing a testimony not so long of a young man who was working as a servant in a house, in a big house where the man and wife were Christians. And, and he says, I could hear them praying. I could hear them praying in the mornings. And he says, they treated me like a dog. I wanted nothing to do with it. It half starved me, he said. We can pray all we like. We can go into the tank all we like. We can go around the table all we like. My friend, but they're still there. Still there. Peter and John was filled with the love that you heard about on Thursday night, a gappy love. They were filled with the love of the Lord. They were filled with the compassion of the Lord. He, he could see it in their eyes. He could feel it in his hand. He could see, he could hear it in his speech. This man knew there was something different about these men. Others wouldn't stop with them. The fruit is flowing, you see. The Lord Jesus, when he saw the multitude, he had compassion on them. And he saw the rich young ruler and couldn't do anything for him because he wouldn't let him. It says, behold how he loved him. We can put a track into a man's hand and we can plunge it through his letterbox all we like. We can nail them on all the trees and telegraph poles on the country and we can roar them out in the open air. But if it's not done from a heart of love, it's only mechanical. And we'll add up to nothing. No, don't talk to this man about the table. Don't be talking to him about the tank. Don't be talking to this man about anything. This man has a condition and there's thousands out there this morning that have a condition and that that condition is sin. And what is needed, my friend, is the pastor, the man here in this pulpit, to have a heart of love. And if I don't have a heart of love, I can't expect you to have a heart of love. And if I'm not joyful, I can't expect you to be joyful. And if I have not peace, I can't expect you to have peace. And you can't expect your children to have peace or joy or obedience to the Lord if you're not. Paul says, though I speak with the tongue of men and of angels and have not love. He says, I'm as a sounding brass and a tinkling cymbal. He says, though I have the gift of prophecy, mysteries, knowledge, and faith, and have not love, 
Though I bestow all my goods to the poor and give my body to be burnt and have not love, it profiteth me nothing. That's what Peter and John had. That was the secret and is the secret of a spirit-filled life. And others passed by hadn't it. These men were with the Lord for three and a half years. For three years. And in John 15 he looked into their eyes and he says, As the Father hath loved me, even so love I you. And then he said this, Continue ye in my love. And that's what the Acts of the Apostles is, is a continuation of what Jesus began to do and to teach. It's a continuation where the Holy Spirit took over after he left. The Holy Spirit pointed men and women to Jesus. That was his job. And it's the Holy Spirit taking over and the Holy Spirit is indwelling these men and these men are like Jesus because it says on over that they took knowledge that they had been to Jesus. Oh, what a statement. They took knowledge these men have been with the Lord. Can anybody say that about me this morning? Can I say it about you this morning? Can you say it about yourself this morning? How did you spend last night? Jude says, keep yourselves in the love of God. Peter and John only possessed this love after this faith, this joy, this peace, this meekness, after they were filled with the Holy Spirit. Can I say this to you this morning? We're not going to get this finished this morning and I'm just going to say what the Lord wants me to say. Can I say this this morning? There's no evidence of love really before in the life of the apostles. There's plenty of evidence that there was none. There's plenty of evidence that there was little compassion, little love and little vision and little burden. And all you have to do to prove that this morning, if you listen to what I say now and you go home today and read Mark 9 and Luke 9, poor oh, what mighty chapters of Scripture. The Mount of Transfiguration. When they saw Moses and Elijah, saw the Lord transfigured, heard the voice of the Father, this is my beloved Son, came down from the mountain and saw him casting out the demons out of the boy that was throwing himself into the water and fire. Heard the mighty preaching of the cross and the kingdom. Do you know after all that, like a shot, they started to argue amongst themselves. Who would get the chief places in the kingdom? They were jockeying for promotion. You read it. It seemed that they didn't really hear what he was saying to them or teaching them. And Jesus took a wee child and he set the child in the midst. And he says, whosoever receiveth this child in my name receiveth me. 
A mighty message on humility. And just when he was finished with the child, listen to what John said. Listen now. Listen very very tight now. Master, I saw one who was not of us. I saw one casting out demons in your name, and I rebuked him. Jesus sharply turned on John. He said, John, you had no right to rebuke him. You had no right to forbid him if he's doing it in my name. For he that is not against us is with us, and whosoever giveth a cup of cold water in my name, he will be blessed. Now, friends, listen this morning. And I know I'm not only addressing you this morning. And God has exercised my heart over this. What a lesson we need to learn in Northern Ireland. Because there are some churches and there are some assemblies and some denominations and they think that they have the whole truth. And because they're not with us or part of us, not even saved. They're astray, they're apostate. And we think sometimes if they don't break bread or they don't baptize like we baptize and if they don't wear hats and skirts, we're quick to censor them. Well, they don't meet the Lord's table every Sunday morning, we're quick to censor them. I remember as a young Christian getting an awful, an awful jag and an awful, it went into my soul when I was bubbling over telling a colleague of mine in the job that I worked with, telling him one day how the Lord saved me and how he drew Pat and me together and how he brought us down to Bundahorn. And I'll tell you, I was telling how, how God delivered me from all the past. And, 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 and I, was, I was so excited about telling him. And then the Bundahorn into that meeting. And the man preached. Do you know what he said to me? Do you know what he said to me? Had the man a collar on him. And then he shook his head. My friend, God help us. I didn't carry a 20 colors on. I tell you, we have done a lot of damage. And I say to you this morning, as Jesus says to Mary when she broke, says to the ones round Mary when she broke the alabaster box, let her alone. Let her alone. After Billy Graham died, before he was buried, I came into that hall one day and there was a booklet sitting on the shelf. And can I say, if you put any stuff on that table, you ask permission to do it if you think that there's anything controversial about it. And the man wasn't even buried 
And someone set a book there blasting him for his apostasy and his work with Rome and all the rest. And it may all be true. But touch not the Lord's anointed. Because Billy Graham saw more souls saved probably than Billy Sunday and Moody and all put together. And whether you agree with him or whether you don't agree with him, let him alone at least till he's buried. And God help us. Or he Candle said, I used to criticize Billy Graham, but I, be, I came that I, I was knocking into too many of his converts and I had to stop. Just because they're not of us. Because whoever they us are, I'll tell you this, there's nothing much happening. And whoever they us are, revival didn't happen through us. It happened through the Presbyterians who believed some of none of those things. Jesus rebuked John. Now here these men are jockeying for position. They're criticizing and rebuking others. Two verses down. These are mighty chapters. Two verses down. Listen again. James and John went on to the Samaritans and the Samaritans refused them. They chased them. And Jesus, John, the apostle of love, now listen to me, John came back to the Lord Jesus. He says, Lord, call fire down from heaven and burn them up. <laughs> you're not filled with the Holy Spirit when you're at that trade. Oh, I wouldn't give the Catholics a day's work. Oh, I wouldn't let them about the house. God forgive you. And any wonder we're in the state we're in. My friend, if we have in a heart of love, I tell you this, there was no love, there was no joy, there was no peace, there was no gentleness, there was no long-suffering, there was no meekness, and there was no faith. These men were in no place to win souls, and I'll tell you this, they're in a less place to see revival. But something happened, glory to God. Something happened, and it happened on the day of Pentecost. It happened. Is there any wonder Jesus says, tarry ye until you're filled? Tarry ye until you're filled with the Holy Ghost. Is it any wonder? He said that to them. Because these men now have love. They have joy. <laughs> They have peace. Tell me who you had peace this morning. And lastly, and I'm finished now, that faith. Because you look at verse 16 there, just as we close, and his name through faith and his name hath made this man strong, whom ye see and know. Yea, the faith which is by him hath given him this perfect soundness in mind. Now that's not the man's faith only, but also the faith of the apostles. They were full of faith and power. When Peter reached out his hand to catch hold of that man, I'll tell you the power pulsated from Peter into that man. And as he did that, he believed that God 
the Lord whom he had served, the living God that now was in the glory he had seen him doing it himself time and time again. And it wasn't because the Savior was gone that this had stopped. It wasn't because the Savior had gone that this was no more an exercise. Nonsense. And he caught him by the hand. He had faith to believe. He says, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. In the ankle bones, Luke was a physician and it was him wrote this. They say the ankle bones were twisted and contorted right round. I believe the medical term for this, that they were twisted right round at us. The, 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 the both of them. And they just came straight like that. Perfect soundness. It's any wonder he jumped. He wouldn't have walked for 40 years. He just didn't trail about, I think I might go into the prayer meeting and I might not. I think I'll just sit here for another few days to see him all right. <laughs> no. Forty years. The power came into the legs. The power of God. My friend, believe for this meeting tonight. Believe there'll be unsaved in here tonight. Believe in the power of God. In the name. They knew the 40 years through the wilderness. (laughs) They knew that that he brought them out 40 years. And their feet never swole. (laughs) Imagine 40 years. In the heat, and their feet never sore. All these men knew about feet, and swollen feet, and sore feet. And this man knew more about feet than anybody, for that's all he could see as he lay there day after day, day after day, men's feet. Have faith in God this morning. Listen, have faith in God for your son. Have faith in God for your daughter. Have faith in God for revival. Have faith in God for blessing. And there'll be a song soon. I believe there's going to be a song soon in this house. And listen, don't you suppress it. You just be quiet. Because things change, you know, very quickly. And he held on to them. And he wouldn't let them go. And he went into the temple. There's more said about this man in Acts nearly than any other man. Because this was the turning point. This was when the powers of hell came down. When they saw life, life, life. Maybe that's why the devil attacks us so much at this corner. He's afraid. And let him be afraid.